We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed. Blender HD, if you want to follow me on Twitter. And it's Tuesday, May 2nd. And did you roster Did you roster the wrong Luis Garcia last night? Maybe if, if you roster the wrong Luis Garcia, maybe you had a decent day. But if you roster the right one... Uh, you got like negative what negative 0.6 or something, but he came out after eight pitches. Seems like that's been happening. Jacob DeGrom, and then it's like, oh, okay, I'm injured. I'm injured. I'm gone. Right. A lot of injuries in baseball earlier in the season. So maybe uh, you got, uh, you got killed by that, but I don't think many of the pitchers did all that well yesterday anyway, but uh, yeah, I, I did well on Luis Garcia because I had his uh, under seven strikeouts. So I was pretty good as under 37 and a half fantasy points on price picks. So I didn't mind so much, but for, for your DFS lineups, I could see how you could be a little bit frustrated in that, but uh, hopefully you're not frustrated early in the morning. Good morning. 
hit that thumbs up button. You know I like the thummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button, the like button, all the buttons. Hit all the buttons. Good morning. Daniel Hutchings, Bacon23, Doug Montgomery, DFIC, Art B, Watazuki Singh, Joe Mack. Good morning. What are we talking about today? I know David, I know DFIC in there sends send in a question about efficient ownership. How do we determine efficient ownership? Well, it's, it's, it's nearly impossible. Okay. Because remember, we owe. We're playing lineups, not players. So it's not necessarily the ownership of players that matter, but the ownerships of your lineups or combinations of players in your lineup. You could still play over-owned, inefficiently over-owned players, as well as inefficiently under-owned players, as long as on the lineup level that your ownership is underneath, is lower in total as a sum, as a whole. That better way to put it. Not necessarily a sum, but as a whole lower than the projection that you're getting for it. Okay, that's the, the that's, that's really the ultimate goal of GPPs is to have a lineup that is has a high enough win probability that is sharing the least amount of points with your opponents. Right? That that's essentially what you're doing. So what what would efficient what in order to determine the efficiency or inefficiency of of a player's ownership there would be multiple factors. Like I I what I pulled up right here is the current bat projections for to, for today for like outfielders right so what what is what is a what is a byproduct of what may, we have to think in terms of before we think of uh, uh, efficient ownership is like why are certain players going to be more owned than others why would they be why 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 is uh why is uh Jordan Alvarez right now projected to be higher owned than Shohei Otani like why? Like what? What? What is the? Well, what is the ultimate reason for that? Why is? Uh, why is Christian Yelich projected to be way more on than Kyle Schwarber? Like why? Like what? Like I'm just showing you outfielders now. Well, we, first off, we take a look at salary. The salary will matter. Like let's say we had a 2K outfielder that projected for 70 points. Right? Maybe not seven. A 2K outfielder that projects for for eight points. We have to expect his ownership to be fairly high because eight points median projection is similar to more players that are in like the 5K range, right? So can you get the same projection for 3K less salary? Well, that means that you could jam more points into your your, your median points into your fantasy lineup, which means more people are up at, are going to do it most likely, right? You're not going to see that and then, oh, he's only 2% on like, no, other people are going to see the same thing. So you take a look here just at the salary ranges, right? The higher the projection, Cedric Mullins is going to be much lower owned than Jordan Alvarez because Cedric Mullins has a 7.99 projection and Jordan Alvarez is an 11.21 projection and their prices aren't all that different. The $200 difference. Kyle Tucker, Julio Rodriguez. Why is Julio Rodriguez going to be lower owned than Kyle Tucker? Well, because Julio Rodriguez has a lower projection than Kyle Tucker for the same price, for almost the same price at the same position. Now, once you take, once you put on positions, now let's say we go all positions, right? We see here, right? Like Willie Adamas, 12.92% projected owned. Why is he going to be more owned than Trey Turner? Well, because he has a projection that's one and a half, looks like one and a half 
points higher than Trey Turner for the same position at a similar salary. Bo Bichette, same thing, right? But we see here, okay, well, we well, have to talk about the teams that they're on. Positions are going to matter as well. The more scarce the position, right, the more scarce there are fantasy points at a position, the more higher-owned the people that are more proportion in projection to that position. So if we go to something like we go to second base, right? We sort by fantasy points at second base. Jorge Polanco at 4,700 is projected for over 1.2 points higher than any than any other shortstop. So he's going to be higher higher owned. If the, if the gap between the two are much smaller, then you're probably not going to see much ownership difference. Bryce Terang is going to be Higher own. Why? Well, he's only 2,700. And he has a projection of 8.14. This is the current Brad projection. I mean, we'll just look at the numbers as at 11.07 in the morning. Don't take this as, this is what you do for t- today's slate. This is just purely for examples. Luis Garcia. The, all the, all the, the, the other Luis Garcia. Projects for 7.67. He's going to be a little bit more owned. Why? Because he's 2,500. At second base, where most of these second basemen have like an eight-point project, like all these guys in like the 5K, 4K range, all have eight-point projections. Well, these guys that are like 3K cheaper, 2K cheaper, have just a slightly lower seven-point projection. We go to a position, we go, let's go, we go to catcher. William Contreras projects for almost a full point higher than Will Smith for 4,600. Wilson Contreras, uh, Will Smith over here. But a lot of catchers are, are just like, it's not a very good position. So basically, unless, you, unless you're playing like one of the top projected catchers, most of these other catchers are about the same, same to each other from a price, per, uh, from a point per dollar perspective. Which means you're going to get ownership on the higher projected catchers. And then outside of that, it's going to be spread out. We take a look at, let's say, shortstop, right? Why? I mean, this seems like this seems like a stupid thing to go through. It seems obvious, but people don't. People, you have to you have to understand why ownership happens. Ownership doesn't happen because just like people like someone's name, right? So, oh, Willie Adamas is going to be high owned because for what? For because someone said so. Like that doesn't happen. His projection is just so much higher at shortstop. It's almost two full points higher than any other shortstop. He's 5,900. And it doesn't look like we have like, like a cheap, cheap guy that will suck in any more ownership. So for point per dollar wise, and he's also in Colorado, obviously people like playing cores and that's why the projection's higher. That's why he's going, that's why he's going to be the, the highest owned shortstop. It looks like, is he going to be 12.92% owned? I don't know. We haven't gotten to that yet. You have to think in terms of why are players owned? What? Why are what, why is one player higher owned than another player? Like we go to pitchers, right? We go to pitchers and we look at the ownership, right? Why is Garrett Cole and Zach Allen and Hunter Brown and mostly Cole and Gallon? Why? Why are they going to be more owned? Well, take a look at take a look at the projection. These pitchers project for 
two to three more points than any other pitcher on the slate. And why is Mason Miller probably going to be pretty well-owned on DraftKings? Well, he has an 18-point projection. He's only 5,700. So you can see here a lot of lineups are going to go Cole Miller, Gallon Miller, something like that. The reason is the projection. I mean, that's ownership and projection goes hand in hand. Now, if we have certain teams that are going to be chalky, for instance, like we mentioned, like cores, right? We have Colorado. Let's go to Colorado. Uh, let's go to Milwaukee, who's in Colorado, right? Right here's the ownership of, of Milwaukee. 18, 15, 14, 13, 13, 13, 12, 11, 9. Let's take someone like William Contreras or Bryce Terang or Willie Adamas, like we mentioned before. Players that are either too low priced for their for their projection or at scarce positions for their projection difference between them and other people. So we have William Contreras, Bryce Terang, and Willie Adams all fit that bill. Well, that also means that Rowdy Tellers is going to be more owned and Christian Yelich is going to be more owned and Brian Anderson. Why? Because baseball and people stack. Not every lineup in your contest. I mean, you still have idiots out there that don't. But the more, the more and more there are players of higher projection at scarcer positions for lower salaries, the more likely that team is going to be stacked. So why are the Brewers going to be higher owned today? That's the reason. It's not for the 6.1 implied run total. Let's say everyone on the on the Brewers was $7 million. Like no one would play them because you can't afford it. But for their price at their position, and that there's multiple people from that team, which means it makes it easier to build high projected lineups with five-man stack of the Brewers, as opposed to some other team, regardless of their team total. This is why people are owned. Now, the question comes in, are they over-owned or under-owned based on their projection? That's all, that's all determined on how you project ownership. Should Rally Tellers be 18% owned? Should Price Durang be 14% owned? Well, the only way to determine that, well, the more precise way to determine that is to, you know, run a simulation, a contest-based simulation, run that a million times with all the probable lineups that are going to be in your contest and see how often, how often that player contributes to a positive ROI lineup. That's, that's the more precise way of doing it. Now, do I have the ability of doing that? No. I have to work more bluntly more directionally accurate. So the first thing you need to do is obviously you need to project ownership. What what do we project the field is going to do? And then compare those lineups that contain those players to other lineups that contain different players. Do two, do two lineups have a similar projection, but one has lower ownership? Well, then you, it's obviously an inefficiency. In a, in, a, in, a, in a perfectly efficient market, from a blunt perspective, two lineups that project for the same should be owned the same. The thing is, is that we don't get that, right? 
Bryce Durang may not be 14% owned. He actually may end up being 22% owned, right? He may end up being 8% owned. Who knows? But his 14% is efficient ownership. Well, it depends on how many lineups that you could use to make him at a, at a certain projection in your lineup versus other players. So it's not just him. There's an opportunity cost there. So what can we do to, to, to kind of kind of bluntly look at that? Well, I'm going to make 300 lineups, right? I'm going to make 300 lineups, and I'm going to make sure to make, I'm going to make a stack, right? Just a 5X. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'm just going to make 500 lineups with one unique player, whatever. Just the top 300 lineups that have a five-man stack. And just take a, take a look at what they look like. Just the top 300 lineups, the five-man stack. How much of certain players do you get? How much of certain stacks do you get? In the top 300 projected lineups. These are going to be the most, pl- the most played lineups, if you want to put it that way. What do they look like? Do they have Cole and Gallon together? Do they have Cole and Miller together? Do they have Gallon and Miller together? Do they have... Yeah, am I going to get 300 Brewers stacks? I'm going to get 100 Brewers stacks. Well, how many of each compared to others? That's what we're looking at. To get a blunt perspective of if we just played the highest projected lineups, what do they look like? Now, these also are most likely going to be the highest owned lineups. So it doesn't make these plus EV lineups. These... these a lot of these lineups are not going to be purely due to the lack of leverage. They're too high owned. So we want to see these lineups, what they look like, what their projections are. And what's the difference between those lineups versus other lineups that you can make that barely have a different projection but have lower ownership? Are there lineups that, what is that difference? And who is in those lineups versus who is in these lineups? Okay, let me stop it here, right? We don't, we don't need to meet all 300, okay? We're getting 98% Rowdy Tellers. We're getting a ton of Rowdy Tellers, right? We look at the stack summary. Yeah, I'm getting all the Brewers, right? Like, they have one Twins. There's one, I, pro- I probably stopped it by the time. So we're getting Brewers, 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 like there's no tomorrow, right? No matter what I do, right? Projection of 115.88, ownership at 137, 147, 143, 134, right? Bryce Miller, Mason Miller. Oh, two cheap pitchers. What pitchers do we get here? We we get more Gallon, right? Because he's a little bit cheaper than Cole. We get a lot of Bryce Miller also. So look at this. You get a Brewer stack with three Buxton, Alvarez, and Tatis as one-offs. In the outfield at 115, right? Dalton Varsho, uh, Kepler, Buxton. You still, you get Contreras, Tellis, Terang, Brousseau at Adamas. Because remember what we saw before. Didn't I just, before I even built any of this, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a lot of this stuff because Contreras, Terang, and Adamas at, are well projected at scarce positions for their, for their price. Right, because it's hard to replace a, a second baseman that, that has an eight-point projection. Because at twenty-seven hundred, I mean, most of the guys in that range have like a four-point projection. So we go down here, we see 
All these brewer stacks, right? All of these brewer stacks, all of the, all this Mason Miller, Mason Miller. Do we really think he's going to be 15% owned? Right? Now let's, let's cut down on even these lineups, right? So let's eliminate even in this set of lineups, the lineups that are too high owned for their projection. Right. So this is one. So any, as we go down, I've showed this like so many times. That is ridiculous. If you had a choice between two lineups, one was 137% owned and one was 147% owned, but lower projected. Like, Why would you play the lineup that is higher owned if it is lower projected? So between these two lineups, I'd rather play the first one. Right. It's lower owned for its projection. So I'm going to eliminate the lineups that fit that bill. And if you go to, if you buy theory of DFS for advanced players, I have a tool in Excel that does this for you. So you could do it manually. You could do it in lineup HQ. It just takes a couple of minutes, right? I could go through here, 137, 143, right? So get rid of that. 134, okay, that's lower owned for the lower projection. So we're going to eliminate, we're going to eliminate the 143 lineup. 134.97. Nope, that's too high. 137. Now we have to beat 134. Right? So we're going to eliminate some of these lineups. 134, 137. What is 128? Let's try to beat 128. Let's get rid of all these lineups in between. 128. This is a blunt way of looking. It's like what players contribute. To lower own lineups, even in this set of higher own lineups. And you could get to that answer by just eliminating the lineups that are too high owned for the projection with the with the, for the other lineups that are in your, your portfolio. You still have to beat what 128. I'm showing this manually instead of throwing it into the portfolio trimmer that I have. So you understand the concept of what we're doing. There's no point in buying the theory of DFS tools. If you have no, that's why there's 21 hours of audio attached to it. There's no magic tools. You have to understand what you're doing. These are just efficiency tools. So what the portfolio trimmer smart trim functionality is doing literally what I'm doing. Why would I, why would I play a lineup? If I had a choice between a lineup that projects for 115 at 128% ownership versus a lineup that projects for 114 at higher ownership. The whole goal of GPPs, they get the highest projection for the lowest ownership. So given the choice, why, why am I playing a lineup that is that is half a point less projected, but 10, 13% higher owned? There's no point. I'd rather play the first one. I'm getting rid of those lineups. 132, we have to beat 128. The byproduct of doing this is that at the end, who are in the lineups, who happen to be in the lineups that are left? Those are the those are the players that would tend to be higher projected for what they're owned. That would be under-owned. The, the people that are that are projected to be higher owned. That aren't in there are ones that tend to be over owned. Right? So we're going to go through these. 
right? And this is just the top 300. This is all, these are, these are all Brewers stats, right? In and of themselves, these lineups may be a little too high owned, right? 128. Let's get rid of this. If you have any questions, you can always post them in the YouTube chat. And obviously submit your questions. I mean, I covered the stuff that you asked me. This is literally a question that comes in via email. So email them in, questions at theoryofdfs.com. Or you go to theoryofdfs.com and buy the two courses and you get get everything. Nice structure to go through it at your leisure. Do we get anything under 128? We got to get rid of a lot of these lineups. All right, we got this 128 lineup. This obviously assumes all the numbers are correct. Right, There's not something that you'd do at 11 o'clock in the morning when you don't even have starting lineups or anything. Umpire assignments. The projections change. Obviously, like, let's say Bryce Terang was not in the Brewers lineup today for whatever reason. Well, obviously, that would change everything. A $2,700 second baseman that projects for eight points is not available anymore, which means now... Maybe there's more ownership on more expensive second baseman. You, you don't know. That's why you can't do this uh, seven hours in advance. 128. Can we, can we still find it? Can we find any lineup that's under 128% owned? 128% owned. Let's see. Let's see. And like I said, the portfolio trimmer, in theory, of DFS does this for you. You just export these lineups and the projections into Excel. And you could just you could just press the smart trim button and it will just leave you the lineups left. But you can do it manually. I've done it. I I I used to do it manually. I used to literally do this. Uh oh, up oh, 128. Oh, did we miss the okay? 128.9. I think I was going too fast. There may have been a lineup in there. 128. One twenty eight point nine five. That's not. That's not enough. I mean, look at the project. The projection doesn't change all that much because we only have one unique player and just two hundred lineups. You're not. You're not going to get much. You're not going to get much diversity. Well, let's see. Out of, out of the top ones that we have, one twenty nine point three. Now we can't. Still can't beat one twenty eight. We may not even have enough lineups left. 124. Okay, we got a 124 lineup. Okay. Can we beat 124? Let's see. What do we got? We shouldn't have that many lineups left. We don't have that many lineups left. I thought we I thought we'd end up with a lot more lineups. 138, 142, 142. So what are we left? Still left with Mason Miller and Bryce Miller. It's the lineup that, yeah, we're only left with like, what, four lineups. Yeah. Because we only looked at the top 300 there with with 1v1s. Right. Adamas, Contreras, Tellis, Miller, Tatis, Miller, Yelich, Buxton, Terang. Yeah. Yeah, we need a little bit more diversity in, in looking at this because we're getting a lot of bright. We're getting a lot of these these Miller Miller lineups, Miller Miller. So let's do this. Let's look at a little bit more, a little bit more diversity. We know we have to go down in ownership, so like we know that we're probably not going to be playing lineups at one thirty seven, 
We're probably we're probably not even playing lineups at like one, even these. Like 120, 124. So let's look at the 120. Let's look at the 120 range, right? Let's add some, some diversity. Two unique players. Is that is that good enough? Three, three unique players. Total lineup ownership like one hundred and twenty. Right. Let's only look at a hundred. Right. I want to be left with like twenty lineups or something like that. I mean, you could you could do this for three thousand. I mean, that's what you probably should be doing it. I'm saving time. The longest part of the time, a lot of the process is just having a lineup builder build lineups. Okay, so let's look at uh, 100 lineups of any five-man stack that have at most 120% total ownership. And I want at least, you know, some diversity in the 100 lineups just so we don't get the same ones over and over and over again. So let's build. Let's build from there. Bacon23 asks, how often do the bat projections move against you? And if you took the bet earlier in the day, are you still pairing with new bets even if the projection moved against you? Well, no. If the projection is no, if the, the bet is no longer plus EV, I wouldn't I wouldn't continue to put money on it. That seems stupid. Just because you bet, oh, oh, I I I bet uh, I bet something over four and a half strikeouts, and then it moves, and, and then it ends up being moves against you. Right, it goes down to three and a half. You go, oh, right, and the bat projection goes down to three point eight or something, whatever the hell it is, and you're like, oh, it's no longer, it's no longer plus EV. Like, well, well, why would I, why would I continue to put money in it? That will happen on that will happen on occasion. Based on lineup changes, based on weather changes, based on umpire assignments, based on whatever. Pitch count updates, right? You go, okay, you know, you bet on you bet on someone's on you under, under six and a half strikeouts or something. It's like, well, the pitch count was, you know, was 83, and then it gets updated to like 95. It's like, oh, okay, and that, that, that was the reason. An extra 12 pitches probably leads to, an, it puts another three quarters of a strikeout into the projection. And now all of a sudden your your under's no good anymore. That will happen. Chalk, you chalk that up. That's cost of doing business. Right? Because so many more so many more times you get on something early and it moves. It, you're you're in front of the move. Right? You do under six and a half, and next thing you know, it moves to five and a half later in the day. So now you, you got a nice, nice full full strikeout of value. In the, in, the, in the closing line, if you want to call it the closing line. That's worth way more than every once in a while. Yeah, it will move against you. Okay. It happens. So, okay. So, we got we got this, this new set of lineups. I mean, we still get, it's all these, it's still tons of these brewer stacks. Right? Tons of it. Who else is involved? Who else is in these? I, we're almost kind of looking at the one-offs that are in these brewer stacks. Okay? That are at least under 120% owned. All right, so let's do the same thing. So, I mean, look, we didn't even sacrifice that much projection. What, two points from, like, the optimal five-man, whatever? What do we got up here? Like, 115.88? All right, what's the lowest? Right, the lowest is 108. So, we're, not, we're barely sacrificing anything. 
right? So now, okay, so let's let's get rid of some of these lineups and see what's left. All right, 118, 119. Okay, get rid of 119, 119. Okay, we have to beat 118.21. 118.21. Right. 117.71. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most, when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. One so I missed it. I think we need, I still think we need more line. I, I'm, I'm trying to do like the least amount just for, for time purposes on this show. Truthfully, we need way more, we probably need way more than 300. But let's see. Can I get a little, a little bit? It's gonna, it's gonna end up being that yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be left with like, like five lineups. Let's, let's. If I run 300, it'll still take, it'll still take forever. Okay. And even more diverse. Let's, let's try to make it even more, more diverse. Build rules. Three without adding any randomness. I didn't want to do any of this. So uh, five unique, four unique players. Is that? That good still at 120 let's do 100 let's do 100 at that just so we get even even more differences between lineups oh. 
Because the, the, the point is, is that once you do, once you do that, once you eliminate the lineups that are too high owned for their projection as part of the set, what you should be left with is players in the lineups that are left are more likely to be under-owned for their current projected ownership. And the ones that aren't in there that project to be high owned are over. It's just a byproduct of doing this. Of course, this is a blunt methodology. This is not not how you determine this exactly, nor should you care that much about individual player ownership. You would be doing this on a lineup level if you were doing this precisely. Because remember, in DFS, you're not picking players. They're playing lineups into a contest. Okay, let's get, we got 100, four unique play. Okay, can we get a little bit more diverse? We're still getting all the Mason Miller. So obviously we're going to get a ton of Mason Miller. Right, we still get all the all these Brewers stacks. Let's see, 117.88, 117.93, 117.53. Okay, 117, so we're going to get rid of any, the 116.3. Okay. You have to beat 116.3. 111.74. Okay, that's that's pretty good. We're moving. 111.74. Let's keep on going. Getting a lot of these at like 119. 118, 119. We still have to beat 111. I'm still concerned that we're only going to be left with like four lineups. All right, 114. That's not 111. Ninety-five. Okay, we got a ninety-fiver. That looks pretty good. Astros. Oh, we got an Astros stack. So maybe the Astros are under-owned, based on our current projections. All right, ninety-five. Go down here. Can we beat ninety-five? Can we beat ninety-five? I'm not sure if we can. Ninety-five. Ninety-five. So I only made a hundred. Ninety-five. Ninety-five. Come on. I could just scroll down to see if there's anything that's under ninety-five. Is that gonna wait? Oh, we're almost there. One oh seven. Eighty-seven. Okay, we got a Red Sox sack. Okay. And now we're dropping, and now we're actually dropping in projection because we're getting we're getting clumping. Eighty-seven. Yeah, but the projection isn't all that bad. I mean, yeah, one eight. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, now we're dropping in projection because we're getting we're getting we're getting clumping now. We're getting clumping, right? Because of four unique players. Yeah, it's gonna start. It's gonna start to clump at the bottom. Right, one oh five. Seventy-eight ownership this is a white Sox stack okay so let's leave that okay so based on what we have left okay we can see just even just that picture that obviously mason miller is under it at 15 percent owned mason miller is likely under owned based on our current numbers obviously other than that we're getting some gallon waka miller brown so it seems like cole Right, because we have Cole is is 
One of the more owned pitchers, right? Yeah, 31% owned. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense. It's like if you could play, if you get 18 points from Mason Miller, if you could get 20 point five, like is the extra 1500 in salary worth the extra let 0.9 points in projection from Cole to Gallon? Probably not. And Gallon is, is 5% less owned. So that's the reason why you're not seeing much, many, the lineups that are left don't have Cole in it. Well, can we gather from that? Maybe Cole at 31% owned, based on our current projections, is over-owned. Zach Gallen, maybe efficient, maybe close to efficiently. Like, maybe neither over-owned or under-owned. He's getting in there in certain constructions, but, like, not overwhelmingly so. He's there. He's He should be, the thing, efficiency-wise, he should be higher on than Cole. But he's not going to be based on our current projected ownership. Mason Miller, from the looks of it, is wildly under-owned. At 15% ownership. Then we take a look at batters. Obviously, the Brewers are going to be high-owned. Now, it seems like even at, at I mean, we obviously, it's a sample size issue. The Brewers may actually be under-owned at like 15% each. They may actually be under-owned based on these numbers. But it looks like Kyle Tucker's under-owned at 4%. Right, we get some White Sox. I mean, if we just take a look at the stacks that are left, it's like, well, what competes with some of these Milwaukee stacks? Well, the Twins, the Astros, the Red Sox, and the White Sox. So maybe maybe these four teams could be a little bit under-owned. I don't know what the projected ownership of stacks are based on our current projections. It looks like you always have enough money to fit in Fernando Tatis. Right? That's what it looks like what's left. Tatis, Buxton. Buxton, because also you have the twin stack here. Jordan Alvarez. Where's Alvarez on these lineups? Does Alvarez come up? How often is Alvarez? We could sort by, by projected ownership. Right? Mason Miller, Terang, Yelich. Yeah, it looks yeah, Alvarez fits one lineup and it's that Astro stack. So it looks like maybe Alvarez may be a little overowned at 10%. Maybe. I mean, like I said, I only ran a hundred lineups. Be more likely to be a little bit more, a little bit more directionally accurate with more lineups. But Mason Miller, it looks like as right right now, it looks like Mason Miller is wildly underowned at 15%. That he, he should be way, should be double that, if not more. Based on the projected ownership. Okay? What happens if Mason Miller was 55% owned? Okay? Why don't we do that? Change the ownership, right? Let's make, 50, instead of 15.01, right? We'll make it 55.01, right? Okay, now let's run it. All right, let's run 100 lineups and change Mason Miller's ownership to 55%. I'm doing it a little bit more extreme example. Okay, so let's let's run that at 55. Let's let's make it even more extreme. Let's say he's 75% owned, just, just to be safe. 70, he's going to be 75% owned at 55, 57. Now what ends up happening if I run 100 with some amount of diversity, just 
right? Let's do this again. This is why I say the numbers matter. If you don't like the ownership numbers, change the ownership. Change. Oh, I think this guy's going to be higher owned. So we'll change the number before you do any of this. Well, I think Matt Strom is going to be not 8% owned. I think he's going to be 2% owned. Then change it. Then change it to 2. I think Bryce Miller is going to be 10 and not 14. Okay, then change it. That's what you think. Now, based on what I've run with Mason Miller, 15% is too low. I would be cha- I, I would have changed that number, not the 75%, but I mean, I would make him higher up. Because I'd run through all these lineups and go, I'm getting all the Mason Miller. It can't just be me that's seeing this. So I have to assume that other people, other people are going to go, yeah, it looks like yeah, Mason Miller is going to be under-owned at 15%. Yeah, yeah, he's not, he's not going to be 15% anymore. So I got to change the number before I before I start comparing a line of projection versus ownership. Because then next thing you know, the slate locks, you open up, you, the cards flip over, and you see Mason Miller is 36% owned. You go, oh, well, I played a lot of him because I played him in a lot of lineups because he's a... Uh, I thought he was going to be 15%. Maybe he's over-owned at 36%. So now your lineups are like under-leveraged. Okay. So I built 100 with Mason Miller at 55% owned. At 75% owned, right? And remember, we set the cap at 120% ownership. Right? We want to lineups in that range. Okay? I mean, we could take a look immediately, right away. Just look at the pitcher position. I'm literally getting none of them because the top lineups that are under 120% total owned can't even be made, right? They don't even reach 111 points, right? So I'm barely going to get any of them, right? He's way, he's way over owned, way over owned. Let's, let's, let's make 20 lineups to make it a little bit quicker. I change his ownership instead of 75% owned to, 55% owned. Yet I still want lineups that are under 120% total owned. Right? With a five-man stack. Right? I'm going to build 20 lineups just to make it quicker. At 55% owned. Are there any are there lineups that project decently that are under 120% owned? That have Mason Millers even with his 55% ownership? I don't. We don't even see that here. Look, no, he still doesn't even come up. He's one of the highest projected pitchers. You get, you get all the Bryce Miller. You get, obviously, at this point, I would probably bump up Bryce Miller as well. He may not be 14, he may not be 14% on. Maybe he'll be 22% on. So let's bump his ownership down even more. Let's say, let's say he ends up being 35% on. Right? Just put in 35 there. Okay, let's build 20 lineups. Let's see. Let's see what let's see. Does he show up? Can I can I make a decently projected lineup that is under 120% owned with a 35% owned Mason Miller? How many of them can I make? Right? Still, okay. Now I'm now I'm starting to get him. Now I'm starting to get him. Now I'm getting out of my 20. Obviously, I'd want to make way more than this. Right? So three. I'm getting him three. Again, I'll still more Bryce Miller. So Mason Miller's 35% owned. He still seems to be a little over owned. Let's 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 put them down even more. It's like twenty eight. You're gonna start to replace Bryce Miller in some of these lineups. Twenty eight. How about twenty? Twenty. Let's let's. I'll put twenty eight. I think it has to be a little bit lower. 
We'll fill 20 lineups and let's take a look. Does he fit into those lineups that we're looking for? Then Mason Miller, 28% owned. How does he, what, how does a 28% owned Mason Miller fit into lineups? Fifteen, come on, we're almost there. Come on, thank you. Okay, we're getting Gallon and Bryce. Miller. Okay, Mason Miller nine. Okay, we're just a, okay. We're getting a lot more. So, so we have to figure that based on what we're doing, maybe his efficient ownership is around twenty-eight to thirty percent, maybe around there. Now Bryce Miller is coming up a lot more now. Also, maybe what happens if we move? Bryce Miller, we make him a little bit higher owned. We make him at like 20% owned, right? Let's say Garrett Cole's ownership starts coming down. Maybe he's 28% owned and Zach Gallen is 32% owned now. Hunter Brown is 20% owned, right? We got some, now, now what do these lineups look like? Now let me build 20. Now we flipped. Now Zach Gallen is actually higher owned than Garrett Cole in projected ownership. And Bryce Miller's ownership has come up a little at 4K. Now what combinations am I getting? What lineups, what do these lineups look like? At a 20, which isn't that many. I'm doing it more for speed purposes to show you the example, Right. With that, with those ownership percentages like this, yeah. Now, now Mason Miller starts becoming underowned, right? We don't get as much Hunter Brown. We get, we still get Zach Gallen, right? So in that in that dynamic, right? Bryce Miller starts coming down a little bit. So yeah, so you could you could see, just in these like just simple examples of running lineups, it's like Mason Miller's effect efficient ownership based on our current numbers. Probably somewhere, somewhere, somewhere in the twenty-eight to thirty percent range. Somewhere, some probably around there, right? This is this is blunt, just bluntly. Bryce Miller's efficient ownership is probably somewhere in the eighteen percent range. Garrett Cole's efficient ownership probably somewhere in the 20, 22 ish. Or if we bumped him, if we put him down to twenty-two and ran this, we'd probably start seeing. 2022, him come in a little bit more than than Gallon. The the gap between how many lineups you get with Cole and how many lineups you get with Gallon will start evening out. You may start getting replaced by Hunter Brown, and then you have to change that. Like this is how you could kind of figure out like what what is efficient ownership on a player. Now pitchers are easier because you have to play two in a lineup on DraftKings, and there's no there's nothing else. It's just like here's two pitchers. That's it. Hitters, you have, you know, positional scarcity and, and salary dynamics. Are you playing them in a stack? Stuff like that. Right? Obviously, Christian Yelich is going to be much higher owned than an outfielder from some other team because the Brewers, in and of themselves, are going to be higher owned. But as a heuristic, as a blunt way of looking at it, build as many lineups as you can. Build 17 trillion lineups if you can, right? Current, with the current projections that you have and the projected ownership that you have and then just cut out all the stuff in the middle right like like we just did you want as you go down in projection you should be going down in ownership and any lineup that doesn't fit that just cut that out 
So let's say you have 3,000 lineups and you cut all of the fat out and you're left with 122 lineups. If you're sitting there and it's like, well, I have 87% Mason Miller. It's like, yeah, because he he's his projection is contributing to lineups with lower ownership, more so than other players. And then you look at the bot and you look at the bottom and you go, how come I, out of my 122 lineups, I have three Garrett Cole lineups. That's it. After trimming the fat, I only have three Garrett Cole lineups. You know what that probably means? That his ownership is too high for his projection. Doesn't mean he can't play those three Garrett Cole lineups. Doesn't mean he can't make a lineup with them. But now you get to see in a blunt manner, who's overowned, who's underowned, who's likely to be underowned, who's likely to be overowned, based on the current projected ownership numbers. Like I said, like we went through with the Mason Miller example. If you think if you if you think the projected ownership is is different, then change it. Change it before you do that. I bump up, if I did that and uh, did 3,000 lineups with Mason Miller at 35% owned, out of the 122 lineups, it, I'm not going to get 87% Mason Miller anymore. It may turn out that a 35% Mason Miller, I don't get as much of at all. I'd be like, oh, at 35%, maybe he's a little over-owned. That's, these are simple ways of doing it. And it's all based on the concept that we just said in the very beginning of the episode. Price versus projection versus position. Right? We just take a look just simply simply at, at, at fantasy points. Like two players at a similar price and a similar projection should be similarly owned. Why is Graham Ashcraft going to be only 1% owned? Because his projection is 10 points lower than Hunter Brown's at like almost the same price. Like that's it. That, that, that's the reason. Now, should it be this big of a gap? That's where it comes to. Is it a, what's the efficiency of this ownership? So, as with anything, you could email me questions, questions at theoryofdfs.com. Send in your questions. That's what I cover on the show. I don't know what we're doing tomorrow. As of right now, I think there's going to be a pregame show tomorrow, but there may be a four game slate on DraftKings or FanDuel or something. We may do a Grinders Live. If you do Grinders Live, I won't be here. Check the thumbnails. That's a better better way. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. Hit the like button. Give me those tummy thumbs. You'll know. Thursday, there's a Grinders Live, right? Thursday. And then Friday, we do uh, MMA. We got a a pay-per-view card coming up. So hit that thumbs up button, and uh, obviously you could you could get everything that I mean. If you want to learn in a structured way, just get Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. You see the you see the process of me just eliminating lineups with too high of a projection, too high of an ownership for their projection. Like I have an Excel tool that like does that. Like James developed it. That if you want to do it, these are just blunt. Remember, these are just blunt methodologies. There's, understand what you're doing. Before you do it, these aren't, there's no magic buttons in DFS. And I'm going to say that, and there's going to, I guarantee you half the people that are listening going, they're going to nod their heads, and then tomorrow they're going to go, what are the magic settings? It astonishes me. It still, to this day, astonishes me. 
Yet, if you actually listen to the 21 hours of audio and watch all the shows or whatever, there's no reason why he can't be a top DFS player. And there are, ton, there are tons and tons of people, tons of people, two, three years ago, right? Oh, I bought your course. Oh, I watch your shows. And now you're making more than me in DFS, right? You can. You just have to do it. You have to be willing to learn. Okay. So I'm done for today. Submit your questions, questions at theoryofdfs.com. As always, we'll see what happens tomorrow. I have no idea, but I will be back Thursday for Grinders Live. We have an early slate, Friday, MMA. So as long as you submit questions on the days that we, we don't have, you know, cover a slate or do anything like that, I mean, that's this is what I do. David David emailed a question about efficient ownership, defect. I answer it. So you just, just email them in. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. And give me those thummy thumbs. And I'll see you hope maybe tomorrow, hopefully tomorrow, usually Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.